Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Andy Bruce, and this is the Women Speaking Truth podcast. And first things first, I missed you guys. It's been summer. I took a rest from like, well, all sorts of things, including work. I got to not really work um, one particular job because I was teaching a couple online courses at the university that I do a little bit of adjuncting for. So I got to sleep in which is like 6.30 a.m. for most mornings. It was an amazing summer. Uh, I took a rest from lots of things, including this podcast, in order to be super present and have an awesome summer with my kids. And by the way, mission accomplished. Summer highlights. A beach trip with my man, my kids coming back from camp, and they can't stop talking about how amazing it was. A kid named Sage that's kind of joined my family Lots of friends and family time. By the way, leading a very dramatic girls' cabin at my church's high school camp. But seriously, it was amazing. And what I want to talk to you about today is what God did in me at that high school camp. Before we sally forth into today's podcast about wrong thinking about God, I want to talk about truth groups for a moment. Truth group journals go on sale on Amazon on August 15th. All you have to do on Amazon is search Truth Groups and boom, you'll see a few of them. The one that's being released this fall is the Holy Spirit. But there's other really good ones on there to check out. Uh, Romans 12, Faith. It's amazing. So what Truth Groups are, if you're not involved with Truth Groups, let me just put a plug here. Truth Groups are simple in nature. They gather women around the Bible and a pretty incredible learning community. You know where other traditional Bible studies have a teacher who tells you what they received from the Word of God? Truth Groups is all about teachers in other settings, but for Truth Groups, we're really about women coming to know God through His Word for themselves. So it's the simplest model possible for a woman to open the Bible get acquainted with it. There's literally three steps, and I can't tell you how easy and simple it is. And what happens is women begin to read the Bible for themselves with the Holy Spirit being their God rather than what the Holy Spirit revealed to somebody else. Then truth groups gather back together with their people, and they simply share their discoveries. We give you the format, the process, places to write, examples, the whole enchilada. I want to mention the best friend price is just $10, but it's only happening from August 15th through 31st. So get in on the best friend price after the August 31st. That price is going to go up by a little bit. But get your people together, my friends, because I'm telling you, this study on the Holy Spirit is going to be a game changer. And here's my opinion of why. I think we've forgotten how to listen to God. And the Holy Spirit is the one telling us what the Father is saying. And so we need to get acquainted and comfortable and see what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. I could go on and on, but listen, I won't because we've got some good stuff to talk about. Instead, go to Amazon, search Truth Groups. Also, I will leave a description in the comments below. Not a description. I'm going to leave a link in the comments below. So today, wrong thinking about God. We all have it. We all do it. Some of us recognize areas where our view of God is off base. 
others of us don't. Today, I'm going to catch you up on where I, I can't even explain to you how much I did not see this wrong thinking. You know when somebody is completely blind to an entire area of their life? This, my friends, is an area that it's like not only was I blind to my wrong thinking about God, I had no idea this wrong thinking existed. So we're going to talk about three ways to undo wrong thinking. Before we get to these three ways, though, I want to tell you the end of what this story is going to be. It's been life changing for me. As God revealed this wrong thinking to me and the healing he's done in me afterward and then the freedom that I've experienced. You know, that metaphor of like this, I didn't realize I had 10 pound weights on each ankle and no wonder I was sore and not running well and I couldn't keep up the pace that was becoming more and more apparent of like something's off base but I have no clue what it was then to stick with that metaphor you take those weights off your ankles and you're like oh my goodness it didn't that was only 10 weights because running with it or walking with it felt more like 25 that's how this feels metaphorically of course about this wrong thinking and the freedom God's brought me so before we jump in three ways to undo wrong thinking, number one, do the work. My best friend says this phrase over and over and over. She's like, Andy, do your work, do the work. We've got to be women who do the real work. And what she's talking about is going back into our stories, back into the pain or the uncomfortable or the confusing so that we can receive healing from God. And she calls this doing the work. She says it like this because she's like a lot of people are unwilling to do the work. And she's like, Andy, I don't know how much we can be free to run the race God's called us to run if we're not going to do the work. So lesson number one, wrong thinking becomes free when we are women who do the work. Number two, this one's tricky because although number one is do the work, number two is we have to though be women who let God do the work. In other words, when he's like, Andy, knock, 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 I have to be willing to go do the work. But all that stems, it's not going to be all that fruitful unless I allow and can recognize when God is doing or wants to do the work. And my story, I want you to listen for the parts where I was trying to do the work for God. It's like I was assuming that I had to have the right answers and the right answers had to be given to God before God had done the work in me. And what I learned is what a big difference there is when I try to do the work versus letting God really do the work. It's like I was trying to beat him to the punch. You'll all that will make sense in my story. Try to listen for that. Number three is tell others about the work. This is why I'm such a big and a firm believer in truth groups, because there's something that happens. I don't know what it is exactly yet, but there is something that happens when I share the work that God's been doing in me. And instead of leaving it as a visceral, nebulous feelings, that's kind of hard when a spiritual sense, when God does something spiritual, it can be really hard to find the right words to explain it. 
But when we do use our mouth, our lips, and our tongue to express and explain the work that God's doing, it's like it seals the work of God deep inside of us. We'll come back to these three things. I'm going to tell you the story first, and then we'll unpack those three things a little bit. So there was a problem in me. Now, here's the problem about the problem. It wasn't super obvious, not even to me, except for about these last six months. So let me clarify. About five years ago, life radically changed. That's another story I'm going to share with you on another day. But for now, just take my word. Life really got, it's like God upended me. It was pretty painful. It felt bloody. It not physically, but metaphorically pretty bloody. And it was confusing. And what that did was catapult me into these last five years that this story is going to refer to. So the problem was that I sensed God invite me to join him in some really specific things. One was Andy gather a group of women in your living room. And I, that's when it began. It was like the more God gave me instruction, the more that this problem became apparent because whenever God did invite me to join his work or when he was like, Andy, move in this direction, I noticed for the first time something that I don't remember experiencing before these five years. Here's what I began to experience. When God began to invite me to his work, my response was, God, leave me alone. I'm going to get screwed if I say yes to you. And I started to say these kinds of things to Melissa, my ministry partner. Lots of you guys know her. I would say, I sense God inviting me or asking me to do this X or Y or Z. And I would tell her, um, I know I'm going to do it. I know my answer is going to be yes, because I love God, but I feel a little sucker punched. My feeling behind it, and it was subtle. I'm telling you what was so strange about all of this that I'm describing is how subtle, subtle, subtle these feelings were. And if there's something I've learned over the last 10 years, especially in my leadership or in my gifting or in my obedience, is that instead of kind of playing whack-a-mole with these uncomfortable feelings about God so that they would just go away, so that then I could just become more comfortable again, let the mole come out of the hole and show its ugly head. And for me, talk about it to others. So that was the problem. The problem was whenever God asked me to join him, I felt like, and I seriously, excuse my vulgar language, I felt like I was going to get screwed. And I felt like this is going to be a bait and switch. And so the weird part was I was like, I love you, God. And so of course, of course, of course, my answer to you will be yes. But I just don't feel like you inviting me into your work for some reason has been very kind. It feels like it's going to bite me in the butt in the end. So that was the problem I was experiencing. And I think you would agree with me. It's a pretty big problem. So now I'm going to fast forward. 
Fast forward with me, I felt like God invited me with a team from an amazing local church here in my city uh, to go to Uganda. Amazing time. God did a lot. Since then, I've taken a couple teams back with me. Um, I'm Yeah. So I've taken a team back with them, and I've taken one team back with me. Another team I was supposed to take back got canceled. But you could tell, like, God did a lot in me with Uganda because I kept returning. At the end of my very first time there, I was at a waterfall with our team. And when I say waterfall, I don't want you to think of a beautiful trickling sound of water. Instead, I want you to hear in your ears and imagine with me the sound of crashing water, crashing, crashing. It was deafening in a sense, like you could hear this waterfall from hundreds and hundreds of meters away because the water falling through this narrow channel was intense. So picture this waterfall with me. Okay, so it's a decent sized river at the top. Then where the water begins to cascade over the cliff, it can go two directions. On the right side of this waterfall was a very wide stream of water that fell. Then on the left side of that waterfall was pretty massive rocks leading to the water on that side can fall over over a rather narrow uh, cliff. And it was interesting because in that narrow cliff, the falling of the water was way more powerful than the right side of the waterfall, which was really wide. If you think about it geologically, it makes sense. The wide river didn't have much um, tension underneath it. Water just fell. But here on the left side, we had this really narrow stream of water resulting in powerful, because it was so narrow, crashing and falling. Now I want you to picture um, next to this waterfall, actually rather close, is a cliff that goes out that we can walk on. And we can stand and observe the waterfall. It was a lookout right over this narrow channel. So all my friends and I from our team, we were going, no way. We're taking selfies, taking pictures, and just enjoying the heavy mist coming off of this waterfall. And I walked away from the waterfall out of the outlook with my team. But it was a really interesting thing because very naturally, it was like the Holy Spirit tapped my shoulder and said, go back. And so I said, hey, guys, I'll catch up with you in a second. And I turned around and I was standing by myself for 10, maybe even 15 minutes, staring at this narrow, powerful waterfall and looking at the water down below after the waterfall. And I remember looking back and forth with my eyes, sensing the Holy Spirit being like, look, Andy, look, look, notice look. And my eyes were kind of scanning this gorgeous, powerful, deafening sound of this waterfall right in front of me. And then the question came, and this question has plagued me for about four years. And the question that I sensed the Holy Spirit asking me was really simple. But just because a question from God is simple doesn't mean it's going to be simple to answer, right? And the question from God was, will you join me in this narrow waterfall? Will you come with me? Will you come with me? 
Will you trust me on the stream of the river above not to go on the wide waterfall where it's most common for me to go? But rather, will you trust me, Andy, to take you down the narrow, powerful, crushing side of the waterfall? This question has, it's sort of like haunted me for the last four years. And I sit there looking at the options, the wide waterfall, which is really natural where most water cascades or this really narrow passage. And it was strange to me because I was standing on that lookout. I knew, I knew it. Here's, catch this. I knew I did not need to answer the question right then. I knew it. It was strange. It was so understood that all I was to do was to listen to the question and chew on it. And my answer didn't have to come. Like, in fact, as I look back, there was no pressure from God to answer. Okay, fast forward from that Uganda lookout of the waterfall about mm, five or six months. Melissa and I were at a Lifeway conference, this big, like 1500 person, 1500 person women's conference in Nashville that we go to kind of regularly. And I hadn't told a soul about that experience on the waterfall, which if you know me, you know, that's kind of unusual. So now five months forward, we're in Nashville and whatever the conversation was, I ended up telling Melissa about that experience. And I ended up showing her on my phone, the pictures of the waterfall and the videos where she could hear the pounding, pounding water on these rocks. And I told her the question and my struggle of, I don't want to go down this little narrow passage. And yet the other part of my heart deeply wants to join God as he's invited me. And what I remember from that conversation is Melissa's response. And she said, Bruce, (laughs) and she said it tough. She said it tough. She said, Bruce, if you roll into heaven on an inner tube with a frozen drink and an umbrella in your hand cruising down the river, I'm going to kill you. And I said, I know. I know, Melissa, I want to choose, but there's something strong in me that feels like I can't, I can't honestly and sincerely give the answer that I want to give. And I said, I don't know. And so I assumed, I assumed that I needed to answer this question on the spot in Nashville. And so I forced myself, okay, God, I'll go down the waterfall. And it was like, okay, God, I'll go down the waterfall. I wanted so badly to have the right answer. But here's where I got it wrong. Because God asked me the question, I assumed that I needed to do the work in myself rather than hang on and hang tight and let God do the work in me. And so I assumed, I guess I'm just hesitating on this because I'm so selfish and self-centered and because I prefer pleasure over hard work. And I guess those are the reasons why I'm hesitating so badly. But it was strange because I knew deep down, I'm not sure that's really it. But that's all I had to go on. And so I guess that's my answer is, okay, God, I'll say yes to you. 
And I struggled since then. I mean, really struggled. Because whenever God would ask me the question, it's like those same problems came up is God's going to screw me over. I'm going to get bit in the butt if I say yes. God, won't you please just leave me alone? Since then, nothing's changed really, except for my awareness of this problem. So now I want you to fast forward to camp this last summer. I had previously a few months before sat with a friend and talked to her about my sexual abuse that I experienced as a little girl. And so some of those thoughts had been certainly running through my mind and recognizing some more areas that God was doing some healing and some work in me because I had sensed it was time, like my best friend had said of Andy, we are women who do the work. And this is a season of just doing more of that work. So those kind of things about sexual abuse have been running through my mind. Now I want you to fast forward to the high school camp I mentioned about my summer highlights. So I've got this cabin full of girls, totally loving them. They're driving me a little bit bonkers, but overall, seriously, just enjoying watching God move in them. So during a worship session at camp, I was worshiping God. And for me, that sometimes means putting my hands out in front and closing my eyes and picturing me saying these words of the song straight to Jesus. That's not a new thing for me. But what was new that happened in several of those worship sessions is while I was doing that with my posture, I sensed the Holy Spirit give me an interesting picture. And it was of me with my hands not out in front of me, but rather on the cheeks on the face, on the sides of the face of Jesus. And like a little, little girl who's two or three years old, and you've seen the cute, cute pictures where a little girl is in the face of her dad or maybe her grandfather and is like almost nose to nose with this figure, this person that she just adores. And she's got the biggest grin and the glow in her eyes. And you can see absolute trust and closeness and joy. And it's a moment that we all marvel at those kind of pictures because I think really we wish we had that kind of relationship still. It's that innocence that kind of gets skewed from a little two or three year old girl as we get bigger, right? But this was the picture that God gave me of me worshiping him with my hands on his cheeks, just almost nose to nose, singing these words to him with such unhinged joy and delight. And I enjoyed it. And I embraced that picture. And it was meaningful in that worship setting. But what caught me me off guard was remembering afterward um, and thinking about this picture and realizing I wasn't 43 like I am today. I was like four or five years old, like a really, really small child. And it resonated with me deeply because I'm doing the work of my abuse. And so one afternoon at camp, I kind of snuck away for an hour or hour and a half and found this chair by this lake and just asked God, God, why did you show me that picture? And it was pretty baffling because in the next hour or 90 minutes, it's like the Holy Spirit began to connect dots 
of my wrong thinking about God that I didn't even know I had that for me explains my hesitation of obeying and joining God when he gives me an invitation and all of those weird thoughts that come after. Suddenly on that day, that afternoon by the lake, all of those things became so crystal clear and undeniable. Here's what I mean. God showed me that the same way that when those bad boys from when I was a little girl used to invite me and ask me to join them so that they could do really bad things to me and the manipulation, the idea that I would say, just leave me alone. But I felt like, and I think reality was, I didn't, as a little girl alone, I didn't have much of a choice but to say, okay, fine. And I knew what I was getting into because this happened so repeatedly. And I got screwed, right? Like, really tragic things happened to a five-year-old and a six and a seven-year-old girl that should have never taken place because I had an invitation to go join them that I didn't feel like I could say no to because I was only a little girl. How can you say no to that, to like all these boys? And God showed me that that same perception of an invitation is what I am placing when God asked me to join him. So in these last four or five years, four years specifically, I wasn't being abused. But when God invited me to join him in his work, it was like the same. It was like I was transferring the invitation from those bad boys onto God. And so no, no wonder I had these feelings like, I don't have a choice in this. I'm going to do it because I know I have to because I love God. But I wish I didn't have to. I'm going to get screwed in the end. Talk about bait and switch. And when I had that realization that that same response to the invitation from the bad boys was my feeling without realizing it toward God when he's been inviting me to join him and to just sit there and realize God. How amazing of you, because you knew four years ago that you're going to ask me that question at that waterfall. Will you join me? And you are so purposeful and you will never push me to have an answer without doing the deeper work in me that lets me freely and joyfully say yes to you. You asked that question four years ago, knowing that you would bring the conclusion and the answer four years later. And I was able to connect so many dots that happened in those four years. And I sat in wonder and awe, feeling overwhelmingly loved by God. Like I just kept saying, For Pete's sake, Lord, you love me. You seriously love Andrea Bruce. That you would go to all this work to ask that question and do all these things. So knowing four years later 
that you would bring me gently, sweetly, and kindly to the place where I can joyfully accept the invitation because now there's such clarification that you never swindle me. You are never the God who uses a bait and switch tactic to get your way. You will never force me to the point of manipulation. Never. Never. Like, never. And yet, because of my baggage and trauma, there's something that snuck into my psyche and my view of you that you kindly, gently, patiently undid. So I had such wrong thinking about Jesus, and I had no idea. So three things about our wrong thinking. First, I don't know the extent to which our wrong thinking gets undone if we're not willing to do the work. And when we do the work of healing, which means going back into the pain, going back into the discomfort, going back into the confusion, for me, going back into my trauma, when I do the work, it simply really opens the door for God to do the deep work of healing in me. Second, man, I assume that I had to do more of the work than God did. I didn't. And what I mean specifically is I assume that I had to, that just because God asked the question, he was expecting the answer. And instead he's like, I wish you would have let me do the work first instead of putting yourself under a whole lot of pressure. And letting God do the work is the work. Number three, there's something powerful that happens when I get to tell the victory and the celebration of my story. Because not only is I think it good for the believers to have understandings and viewpoints and maybe even be like, oh, that's what's happening. I don't know. Or just be encouraged by it. So it's not only good for the believers, but I'll tell you, I think it's 10 times as good for me because it seals the deal of the work of God in me. So is God asking you or showing you places where he's asking you to do the work? Or are you trying to, like me, jumpstart the work instead of just being patient to be moving with his spirit? Because man, oh man, was there that deep part of just because I had been asked the question, I absolutely assumed that that meant I had to have the answer before there was transformation. Are you jumping the gun like I did with the work of God rather than just waiting and letting him lead the work? And number three, is the work that God's been doing in you where he would say, share it, tell others, not only because we celebrate the victory and the movement of God in us, but because it does something pretty significant and deep in you. So here's what I know. I'm a part of a community of women where we let God do the work because the work that I'm letting God do in me today will result 
and fruitfulness of the work of the kingdom later. So let's be women who do the work. So for now, take a deep breath and enjoy the work, the questions, the love, the patience of Jesus. Thanks, friends. See you next week.